Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore what it means to live and embrace the feminine genius in our daily, ordinary lives as Catholic women. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Maribel Laguna, and we're talking about the beauty of healing from wounds and Maribel's work within his Image Counseling Center down in Texas. In my story, there have been several seasons where I've seen a Catholic counselor, whether that's been to work through grief and trauma or to invest in Joseph and I's marriage. I really enjoyed this conversation with Maribel, and I can't wait to share her wisdom and her passion for helping people heal and grow in this episode of Letters to Women. If you're desiring to heal from wounds and learn more about the work and the mission of Catholic counselors, sister, this letter is for you. We're welcoming to the podcast Maribel Laguna. She is a licensed professional counselor supervisor in Irving, Texas, where she's the co-owner of In His Image Counseling Center. She's also a board member of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association. Welcome to Letters to Women, Maribel. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the work that In His Image Counseling Center is doing when it comes to helping people heal and providing human formation. And we'll also be talking about some of the stereotypes that may be keeping you back as a listener from making that first therapy appointment. But before we dig into that, Maribel, can you share about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, never tell God never, because <laughs> he's going to teach you a big lesson. <laughs> and so I... I told God a couple of nevers. One was, I will never be a Christian therapist because I just thought it was so silly. (laughs) I just thought those people just read from the Bible and prayed over people. And I was just like, why do you need that? You can just go to prayer meeting. (laughs) God taught me a big lesson there. And I would say the second never that I told him was, I will never marry a Hispanic man. And well, that didn't work out either. So... (laughs) I think that um, my first calling was to be a counselor. Um, And then later on, once I was established in my profession, is when I met my husband, then I found my real calling, (laughs) which is to be a wife. And so it's really beautiful, actually, how those two really complement each other. When I told God I would never be a Christian therapist, it was because I didn't understand how Catholic anthropology has really given a thorough explanation of the human person. And we've been talking about the emotions since medieval times. We just didn't call it psychology back then. And so the rich tradition of the church really actually has addressed psychology for a very long time. So you also are the co-owner of In His Image Counseling Center in Texas. Can you talk about the mission of In His Image Counseling Center and then how that center came to be? Yes, well, our mission really is to bring Christ's healing to people who are suffering. We want individuals who come to our practice to experience a restoration in their dignity through psychological healing that is evidence-based. We do use evidence-based therapeutic techniques in order to help people heal in that way. And in his image really came to be from our foundress, um, Dr. Sue Bars. And she was in San Antonio in in private practice. And she said that in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit inspired her that this was the name of the practice in his image. And when she moved to Dallas, a few years later, she and I met at a wedding by coincidence, I guess, or by divine intervention. And then we partnered and we've been partnered probably for about 10 years now. And God has just sent you know, four 
beautiful therapist to our practice. Um, we felt that it was very important for other therapists to also have the legacy of Catholic therapy. And so we've mentored them and helped them really understand what we call affirmation therapy, which is a type of therapy based on the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas. And that's really our gem. You know, that's what we, we want to offer people is not just calling us Catholic therapists, but using a type of therapy that is based in Catholic anthropology. Tell me more about that, because I, I love that you've grounding psychology in the work of Thomas Aquinas. Can you say a little bit more about what affirmation, what that would look like, or, or what those Thomistic principles are going to look like if someone maybe was sitting in a session with a therapist at, at the practice? Sure. I would say the basic premise is kind of like a metaphysical premise, which is to approach person as a child of God and to affirm the goodness with which they are born. And a lot of times we've had psychological woundedness that affects our personal ability to see our own dignity. And so we need that mirror in the process of therapy. And so, you know, that's how we approach each person with the, with upholding their dignity, but also really looking inside of the person and seeing Christ in them. And one of the things that's happened throughout our lives is that none of us were perfectly affirmed except Jesus and Mary, because they are the exception to everything. (laughs) And because we haven't been perfectly affirmed, then we develop psychological symptoms that show that. So trouble in relating to other people, maybe low self-worth, thinking that we're no good, bending over backwards to try to please everyone while ignoring our own self and what we need. Our job is really to affirm people so that they can live out their fullest dignity. Now, there are a couple of different things that St. Thomas Aquinas says about the emotions. When he writes about them in the Summa, they're titled passions, but now we can understand them as emotions, and they're actually directly quoted in the Catechism. They talk about anger and hate and love and desire and how all those passions are good. They don't become immoral until reason is engaged and reason makes a decision as to what to do with those emotions. And so we always explain that to people because sometimes in our Catholic faith, we grow up with these myths about the emotional life. And so we try to debunk those myths with the catechism but also by having people read the books about affirmation that were developed by Dr. Conrad Bars. I know and have experienced these myths that, you know, my emotions are bad. If I just could stop being so emotional, if I just was more level-headed, it sounds like what you're speaking into is that there's a beauty of channeling the emotions and the passions and that they're not inherently immoral. The, The actions that we can choose to do inspired by those passions. Exactly. That's really freeing because then it's an accepting of who we are and who we've been been created to be, that we've been created with these emotions and that they're good. And that can be a total game changer for someone who's who's going through healing, especially when I, I would think when healing through traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. When it comes to affirmation, is that an affirmation in therapy where you as a therapist or the therapist in the practice are then affirming the person in therapy as their therapist or is it creating space for them to recognize that God affirms them? What does that look like? Well, we want to work at the natural level. Remember, grace builds on nature. I think that's another famous quote by St. Thomas Aquinas. 
it does require for the therapist to affirm the client, but the, the therapist has to be open to the affirming life. What does that look like? That looks like therapists doing really good self-care, <laughs> not just emotional self-care, but spiritual self-care. How is it that we are also engaging in leisure and creating space for receptivity? When we do that, when we slow down and really live out our Catholic faith by being moved by beauty, truth, and goodness in our everyday life, then what that does, it, it opens us up to be able to experience affirmation in our everyday life and then be able to give that gift of affirmation to our clients. And so when we ask clients to start living the affirming life, we also ask them to do what we practice, which is slow down, take time to reflect, take time to take note of what you feel physically and emotionally and see where you're moved by truth, beauty, and goodness. It's really encouraging them to grow in self-awareness, which which also takes time for, requires you to, to slow down and exist in silence, which is a really hard thing to do in today's culture. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's an <laughs> understatement, COVID right? It's <laughs> been a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about my in my own life and just realizing how in the past 12 weeks or so, Things have really ground to a halt here as things start opening back up, especially um, when it comes to, you know, what I do on the weekends or, or what the evenings look like for our family. It's been more tempting than, I, than I'd like to admit to go back and just stuff things in the calendar and return to this busy schedule. And so if anything, I think COVID's been just a really beautiful reminder that time for silence is beneficial, but mm -hmm. but that it's, yeah, it, at least for my natural tendency and my personality, it's hard, but really beautiful and really good. And I also think what's really beautiful that you're speaking into is that you're encouraging and mentoring the therapist in your practice to be able to be an example of what it looks like to live an affirming life because they themselves are living it. And that's really powerful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can only be as good as we practice. Also, it's been neat to listen to you speak into the ways that yourself and the therapists in the practice are leaning into their own feminine genius and what it looks like to be receptive and what it looks like to be generous and to lean into that spiritual maternity in their calling as therapists as well. Yes. When we talked before this episode, you mentioned the work that In His Image Counseling Center does when it comes to providing human formation, especially for those discerning a religious life or living in religious community. Can you tell me a little bit more about the work that the Counseling Center does in this area? Of course. Oh my gosh, this is like the best part of <laughs> our work. <laughs> we do a lot of good things, but this is the part that I am the most excited about. John Paul II, we all know, reformed the formation process for priests. And so he identified four pillars for formation, intellectual, spiritual, pastoral, and human. And human is the most important one. I know we in our culture love the intellectual pillar because we really admire smart priests, but it's really important to have the human pillar really solid because all the other pillars build on the human pillar. And so the human pillar really is based on psychological maturity. And it's how do we help individuals discerning religious life and priestly life to have a strong human pillar? One of them is self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is everything. If you know where this comes from, then you can choose to do something about it. 
And then that second step, which is self-possession. Okay, because I know that I have a temptation, let's say, towards alcohol when I feel lonely. Then I know that I can identify those triggers and create deterrence to that. And then I have, I can possess myself enough to be able to be a free gift. And so the gift of ourselves in vocation is only as free as our openness to be insightful about our own issues. And so it's highly important, especially in this day and age, where we are living in a very wounded society. And because our society is so wounded, our families are very wounded. And anyone listening out there that wants to argue that point, well, I would just say, look at the news and look at the TV shows that are on Netflix and look at when divorce started and look at the effects of contraception, how they have really created divisiveness in our domestic church. And so all these vocations to married life, to religious life, to priestly life, they're all coming from this society that, that is wounded. So it's natural to assume and you know, probably logical to assume that these people are also wounded. And so it's our work to kind of help them heal from that woundedness the impact that that's having on as as someone who's going through priestly formation to have in his image counseling center, to be able to provide the human formation and to discover wounds and what that means and to know who they are. And then to be able to know what to do um, when they're confident in their identity as a beloved child of God, the impact that has on, on who they will impact in their vocation, whether that's in the parish life or in a school or whatever the Lord's calling them to do. But when they know, who they are and their story, how much more so are they able to live, to live out that vocation? Mm -hmm. It can be very powerful. I would say that ministry and therapy (laughs) attracts a lot of wounded healers. However, if you're not healed, if you're not a healed wounded person, it's harder for light to shine through your wounds. And so it's very important for all of us to go through our own healing. I would say therapists, you know, we're encouraged in our um, graduate work to do that, but also priests and religious, because what we want to create is what I call trickle down affirmation. (laughs) And so if, if we're really focused on our healing and if we've really kind of engaged in that process, we can bring more people to Christ through that woundedness that we have healed. Yeah, it's reminding me of the conversation around this idea of holistic self-care, what it means to take care of yourself as a child of God and how it's easier that at least my tendency is to take care of others first. And then maybe if I have time in the margins, I'll go back and take care of myself. But how that doesn't really pan out really well. And that's true with the spiritual life as well when we're looking at self-care in every aspect of our life. One of the ways that I talk about that with clients is that how is it that we give alms to the beggar, but we don't give alms to the beggar within ourselves? You know, we try to see Christ in others, but what about the Christ in ourselves that is begging for those alms? Where do you think that root is? This is probably different for every person's story, but this root of giving alms to the beggar inside of myself is selfish. Well, part of it is that in our society, we really emphasize doing and we don't emphasize being. And so what that does, it creates 
an overdevelopment of the assertive emotions, the sort assertive emotions of courage, fear, anger. And so those emotions are the ones that help us do good things. However, if we only use those emotions, we don't pay attention to the pleasure emotions, which are more about just being yourself, love, desire, hate, disgust, sadness. It's in the pleasure emotions that really we find the desires of our heart, the desire to love others. And through that desire, it creates so much emotional energy that naturally we access the courage to take action. And so the complementarity of those two types of emotions is a more Catholic way of being. That's a different level of integration. It goes back to what we were talking about originally, that that the emotions and the passions can be channeled to so much good, but we can't leave half of them behind. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talking about some myths and stereotypes that people may be encountering as they are working through a process of interior healing about coming to a realization of what healthy and Catholic self-care means. And one thing that I, I know some people struggle with when it comes to making that first appointment with a counselor or, or with a therapist is that they don't want to go back and talk about seasons in their life when they experience trauma. And, and maybe we sp- we've spoken a lot about brokenness. Maybe they're afraid of their own brokenness and what their story has looked like up to this point. What would you share with a listener who may be struggling with a lie that knows she's, she's too broken? Well, I would first say that it's very normal to be scared. You know, there's really scary things in all of our past that are just difficult to face alone. But I would say that it's more difficult and more scary if you do face it alone. You know, we are not meant to be alone. And it's important for us to have someone to accompany us. And I just think about Jesus carrying his cross and how Simon just showed up and helped him. And so if Jesus can have help in carrying his cross, why can't we? And you know what? Everyone's broken and it's okay. That's why we need Jesus. (laughs) We don't just need Jesus. You know, Jesus was also human. And so you know, Jesus needed Mary, Jesus needed his friends. And so we also need people to help us. You know, we have doctors that help us with our physical ailments. We have social workers that help us with resources. We also have mental health counselors and people who have studied the mind and the emotions. And then we have spiritual directors. You know, all of that is integrated. And so we can go to the doctor for medicine or to get a cast for a broken leg, we also need to go to a therapist to get help for our psychological woundedness. If our arm was broken, we would go to the doctor. But that also, it seems too that if our arm's broken, people around us can see that our arm is physically not healed. But when Mm -hmm. when it comes to mental health and emotional health and spiritual health, a lot of the wounds that we're desiring healing with and, and for are hidden or they're not physical. They're not tangible. It's not like we're walking around and, and we can see that, that there's a wound in our hearts or in our stories. Do you think that the way that we're talking about mental health is changing? Have you seen a shift in your time working, working in the mental health field? I think it is changing in our general culture. 
I would say more specifically in our Catholic culture, we tend to spiritualize our psychological issues. Yes, there is a spiritual component, and I do see my job as leading people to Christ, who's the ultimate healer. However, there's a very real reality, like there's a reality here that we cannot ignore, and it's the natural reality. And so, yes, psycho psychological problems need healing on the natural level. And so if we jump to spiritual healing too quickly, we're missing all these steps in the journey. And those steps are important for us to have true, authentic, deep healing. Are they painful? Yes. I'm not going to lie to people. <laughs> Does it hurt like a bad word? Absolutely. <laughs> But it's really important for you to have someone to accompany you in that. Yeah, I'm just as you're speaking into this, I'm thinking back in my my own story with with Catholic therapy. Whether it's it, there's been a couple of seasons where a Catholic therapist has walked alongside me, and being able to have that perspective of the outside to be able to look into the story that I'm sharing and speak truth into that, the truth that it seems so obvious, but I haven't, I didn't even think about it from that perspective. And that's so healthy. And for someone to be trained in good, wholesome skills to be able to accompany you is such a godsend. But I love too, that you're speaking into this, that spiritual healing is an aspect of this, that we shouldn't skip over um, the realities of the healing process and, and jump straight to just spiritual healing. I like to quote St. Augustine. <laughs> One foot in heaven, one foot on earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The both and the both and some people who, who are listening, maybe they're not in counseling themselves, but they have a friend or a family member who shared with them that they're in counseling. What are some ways that a listener can accompany someone that they love as they, they invest in their mental health and their well-being? Well, first I'd kind of test the waters and see how your friend or family member, um, how comfortable they are with talking about therapy it's a very very intimate relationship that you know your friend or family member has with their therapist and sometimes it's hard for them to talk about those really vulnerable things outside of the room and that's okay i would just kind of ask them how are you doing with therapy or how comfortable are you talking about um are you talking about the things that you you know, discuss in the therapy room outside of the therapy room. And if they're not comfortable with it, don't push it. Ask them how they want you to support them. Maybe all they need is for you to pray for them. And that's okay. You're doing a lot by just doing that, by interceding for them. Or maybe after therapy, they just want to go and have coffee and talk about nonsense. That's okay too. And so I would just have the person who is the client kind of guide that conversation and tell you exactly what they need. And sometimes clients have a hard, hard time looking for resources themselves. So for example, like maybe their therapist said, Hey, maybe you should go check out a new young adult group, or maybe you should go and join the choir. And so maybe those are times when you can join, you know, this person so that that next step is easier for them because the therapist is trying to expand their their social resources. And if that's a hard step for the client to take, then you as a friend can probably help them take that step. 
I love how it's guided by the person who's in therapy, giving permissions and and letting people know what is helpful because that's really freeing too to be able to to share with friends. This is helpful. Maybe this maybe this isn't helpful, and have the uh, the freedom to be honest in that healing process too. Mm-hmm. Maribel, where can people find more about you and more about the work that In His Image Counseling Center is doing online? Well, uh, we are at www.inihicounseling.com. And then we're also on Instagram at In His Image Counseling. And then July 1st, we're launching our YouTube channel. Oh, that's so exciting. I know. I'm so excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) So what we'll be doing is each therapist will be, we're creating series um, and each therapist will be doing a five minute video um, pertinent to the series. And so, for example, this month we have very short videos on Instagram about fatherhood. And so this next week, we're really focusing on spiritual fatherhood. And we've talked about biological fatherhood in the past couple of weeks. And so the YouTube channel will just be an extension of those videos. And it, it's just basic psychoeducation. And so I, I think not everyone needs to go to therapy, but maybe they just need a tip here and there. And so I think it could be a great resource for people. And of course, they can follow us on Facebook. Oh, that's so exciting. I love following the center on Instagram. And there have been a couple of times where I've watched the videos or read posts and thought, I just wish they would go just a little bit deeper. I want to know some more. And so I'm excited for the YouTube channel. That's really, that's going to be a really good resource. So the last question that I ask women who come on the show on Letters to Women, we're exploring the feminine genius. What does that phrase mean? But also realizing that it looks different in the life of every woman. Mirabel, can you share how do you embrace the feminine genius in your life as a Catholic woman who's helping others reclaim their sense of goodness and dignity as beloved children of God? You do realize that you save the loaded question. I know I do this and I feel bad every time. We're wrapping up. This will get easy. And then I just drop this one. I think I could go on and on forever, but I won't for the sake of time. I would say in a nutshell is just saying yes. Yes to what God is calling me today. So, for example, today he's calling me to be here with you, which you know I'm really enjoying. But then um, tomorrow I have clients, so he's calling me to say yes to each client every hour. And so for me to be able to say yes, you know, it's like a big yes, but then small yeses along the way. You know, being open and receptive to kind of the the movements of my heart, again, on the natural level, like how... My emotions are telling me something about the client, but also the movements of the Holy Spirit and saying yes and saying yes to truth and calling out truth when I see it, but then also calling out lies when I see them. And so to say yes, I think it requires so much courage and we can't have the courage all by ourselves. So one of the things that, you know, I've been doing probably for the past six months, both and myself is that we pray the rosary for the practice because we think you know what the devil can't mess with mary (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) and so she um is protecting the practice with her mantle and then more specifically i've been feeling very drawn to our lady of sorrows and part of the reason is because i i think that god is calling me to say yes to sit in the wounds of christ every day with a client and that just is such 
an honor for clients to invite me into their woundedness. And so I would say that it's a yes with courage, but with spiritual support, but then also the honor of other people saying yes to me entering into that difficult part of their lives. What a beautiful, practical example of what it looks like to console the heart of Christ. I think often when I hear that term, what does that mean? What does that look like? And you just spoke into what it looked like for you. And that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I was trying not to cry. I hope I managed it. (laughs) I'm crying on this end. So, (laughs) oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for your work, for the work that In His Image Counseling Center does. Just so beautiful. And the chance to get to know more about your practice and the beautiful things that you guys are doing down in Texas. And yeah, thank you for your time and for sharing your story. This has been a beautiful conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Real quick, I'd love to share an update with you about the brand new Letters to Women book that's being published by Tan Books and St. Benedict's Press. This week, I sent the manuscript off to their editing team, and inside the book, you're going to find letters from 30 different women who I am honored to call friends, and they've written these letters to let you know that you're not alone as you strive to embrace the feminine genius in your daily life. So just a few of the letters that I'm really excited to share with you are ones like A Letter to the Woman Who's Healing by Mary Lenneberg, A Letter to the Woman Getting Ready for Her First Date by Patty Breen, and A Letter to the Woman Longing for Freedom by Erica Tai. And each letter includes questions for reflection, so you can spend time journaling and praying on the wisdom shared in these women's witnesses. And there's also questions for conversation. So this is a great book to read through with your women's small groups. The book is currently, and I say currently because things in the publishing world can very much change, but it's currently slotted for publication in early 2021. So a pre-order of this book would make an awesome Christmas gift for any woman in your life. One thing that I really strove for when creating this book was to include letters from women in as many seasons and situations and walks of life as I could. And so there's, I I pray, truly something in here for everyone. It's not available for pre-order yet, but if you would like to be the first to know about the other 27 letters in this book that I didn't mention, things like the cover reveal and different details about the launch and when you can pre-order the new letter, book, make sure you're subscribed to my newsletter, which you can find over at oldfashionedgirlblog.com slash subscribe. And there's a link to that in the show notes for today's episode too. While you're on the website, check out the show notes for today's episode, where you'll find links to everything we mentioned, including more information about the work that In His Image Counseling is doing down in Texas. That is all I have for this week's episode. If you know a woman who would learn and grow from listening to this episode, I'd be honored if you share it with her. And if you love the conversations that we're having over here on Letters to Women, make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Anytime I see a new review come through my inbox, it always makes my day. And those reviews also help other listeners find the conversations that we're having about the feminine genius easier when they're browsing through their favorite podcast platform. Until next time, be not afraid. 